You're listening to The Streaming Wars, the podcast that discusses all of the latest happenings regarding your favorite streaming services. Find out which service is winning the war this time around. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of The Streaming Wars. I'm Dustin and with me... Tony Hammock. And we are here to bring you the latest episode of The Streaming Wars, which, as mentioned in the previous episode, we're going to be diving into the current state of the streaming services. And as we've mentioned, we're going to be diving into Netflix first. Um, So what can you expect from our discussion? So for the next six episodes, you're going to be hearing us talk about the major services that we lined out in the introduction. But just to recap... Netflix, Amazon, Apple TV+, Disney+, HBO Max, and Peacock are going to be the major services that we're going to be covering. Um, But specifically, we're going to be giving a little bit of a history as to where these companies are coming from or how the services originated um, within a larger company. Uh, We're going to be talking about some of the how long like i said how long the the service has been around or in the case of some of these how when the service is planned to launch we're going to be discussing some of the pricing tiers for at least the ones that we have pricing tiers for Um, we're also going to be discussing um, subscriber counts for the existing services and we're going to kind of talk about some of the big projects that have come out of some of the services as well so um, and and on top of that we're going to be talking about all kinds of other stuff so if uh, while we're actually discussing things if there's an article that we're referencing or anything like that um, and we'll, we'll specifically mention the article but if you head over to the site the streamingwars.io and you go to the specific episode you'll find links to the actual articles that we're referencing uh, for your guys reference so that you can read more about it because as uh, this is actually obviously the two of our interpretations of the events that is taking place and our opinions and things like that. But if you want to know more about the actual news and the stock information, things like that, that stuff we'll have links to over on the site. So Netflix. Uh, to begin with, Netflix is a company that has been around since 1997. And many of you probably are aware that Netflix did not start as a streaming service because uh, it originated as a DVD order service or a D- mail order DVD service where the DVDs would be mailed to your house for a subscription fee. Um, it wasn't actually until 2007 that Netflix kind of got into the streaming market. And it's actually kind of interesting because uh, looking over the history of Netflix, they had a they had a kind of an interesting kind of uh, introduction into the streaming side of things. They they originally had every intention to launch at a specific time frame, uh, but then they saw how quickly YouTube was become or how popular YouTube was becoming, and that's actually what made them shift a lot of their focus into the market of of streaming. Uh, So they've been around since 2007. So that's at this point in time, it's been over 12 years since they've, they've been doing the streaming side of things. And to be fair, they are the biggest one out there that uh, has this. So currently they have over 154 million subscribers total um, that and, and, and 148 uh, paid. This is according to the quarter one 2019 letter to Netflix shareholder uh, shareholders um, that was released back in April of 20 uh, April of 2019. Uh, so that is that is the current numbers. But as we know, it's actually gone down 
since then because over the past two quarters, Netflix has experienced and experienced some subscribers that have kind of left. Not a ton, but uh, currently the numbers according to Stat- Statisa, uh, I think I'm saying that right, probably not, uh, but their current numbers put them at 151.56 million uh, subscribers as of the, as of quarter two. Um, so they had a little bit more paid subscribers, um, but overall their subscriber growth has slowed down and that's part of the reason why they haven't been very looked they haven't looked very favorable when it comes to the stock market so uh let's talk about uh, netflix as a company from the beginning i mean they're a company that's valued at over 20 almost 26 billion dollars their current stock price is sitting at somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 it's bouncing around around there right now because of course q3 stats are already you know the q3 uh reports just came out uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, but what do you think Netflix's strengths are at this point in time? Netflix's strengths, I think, is how do I want to answer this question? I think the obvious answer would be original or just content by itself, but I think what makes Netflix special is its infrastructure. Um, they've been in this game for the longest. They understand the complexities. They What they're doing, right, because all, all of... Okay, well, fun fact about technology. A lot of these companies, right, Facebook, Google, uh, YouTube, right, the whole point of them is to use, to keep using the software. So they find interesting ways to keep you on Facebook, on YouTube, even on mobile apps, right? Um, You know, keep you engaged in the game. They know how many times it takes, how many failures it takes for you to, before you, you give up on the game. So you'll fail, fail, fail. When you get to that breaking point, though, the game won't you win. So you're staying on that app even longer. So these companies know how to do that. And what Netflix is doing is so interesting in the fact of, right, it notices the history, uh, your, your, the, what you've watched, the history. And it will try to find you know, different actors that have been throughout those different films, right? So a famous example is like Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, on Netflix, he's right. He he's in um, I think three fourths of all of Quentin Tarantino's movies, and so right. If I watch things with Samuel L. Jackson, so then for Pulp Fiction, it's going to show me a picture of Samuel L. Jackson. If I watch a bunch of movies with um, Uma Thurman, then it's going to show an image of Uma Thurman on um, for the poster of of Pulp Fiction. Right, and and so Netflix knows how to do that, and it's so interesting how that all works. And I think that's what separates Netflix apart from its competitors. Right now, it's facing a weird transition because a lot of their staple shows, a lot of the things that people have traditionally been watched. Right before we were recording this podcast, um, I was watching The Office, which has been a staple of Netflix for the longest time. But due to these rise of these other companies that we're going to talk about, um, that content's kind of going away. So they're moving into a more of an original content um, focus, right? It started with House of Cards, but as much as, you know, House of Cards is an amazing show, so is Orange is the New Black. It's nothing. Netflix is is, is totally changed its business model to be all about original content. Um the past Emmys, I mean, Netflix took second place, and I think they had like twenty something Emmy, um, yeah, Emmys awards for for their original content stuff. 
So I think that what separates Netflix apart is its infrastructure and how everything is seamless. It's smooth. Netflix is everywhere pretty much in the past um, five, six years. You know, you don't have many buffering problems unless like your internet's like super, super awful. But it's learned to give you high quality video on any device. There's no real buffering. You know, Netflix is everywhere. Brand recognition. I, I think it's the infrastructure that's what separates it apart from everyone else. And I agree. I think the infrastructure it does set them apart uh, from everyone else. Obviously, the other thing that probably sets them apart than, from everybody else is that they have had such a large jump on everybody else. They were the ones who kind of set the bar for what streaming could be and how it could be successful. And they made a lot of money and a lot of companies took notice because of their success. And that's you see a lot of companies kind of reactionary, reactionarily launching their own services for the reason of Netflix being successful and making as much money as they have. Um, you can honestly say... So, so the idea of a subscriber service has been around for a long time. This is not anything new by any means. I mean, to a degree, you have cable services, which is a subscriber service. And there are a lot of companies who have been in the midst of being there to, you know, being a cable provider for years, for a good chunk of time. Um, Warner Brothers was attached to Time Warner, which had Time Warner Cable. You also had, uh, obviously, Comcast is now owns NBC Universal. You have uh, AT&T currently a cable provider who owns Warner Brothers. Uh, but over the course of time, a lot of the cable providers, they're the companies that are making a lot of money. They have a lot of money coming in because they have basically a large group of people who are paying every single month for something. And if the infrastructure is in place, a lot of the money that you're making can go towards whatever you want. I mean, Comcast is a humongous, humongous company and they were able to purchase NBC Universal and all that is entailed with that and then in, in turn can use the money towards you know buying or purchasing something else and just making the company bigger. But then, but the idea is by having a service that you have that that someone has to have or wants to have on a normal basis, uh, and I'm not talking about a utility. I'm talking about like a, a want. You, you know, for for example, while I'd say probably like the vast majority of Americans have a cell phone, the reality is it is a luxury. You are not necessarily required to have a cell phone by any mean. You don't. You're not going to die. You, it's not like heat or um, electricity or anything like that that you need to have in order to survive so that being said a cell phone service or a cable service is considered a luxury and it should be considered a luxury but the point is those are luxury items that you're paying for and a company is making a ton of money on that stuff and if you just look at some of the biggest companies that are around that own as much as they own a lot of them have something to do with some sort of subscriber-based system whether it be a cell phone company, there's lots of cell phone companies that are the cell phone companies that exist. They have a lot of money because they have a lot of customers, and they slowly, you know, will absorb other companies. And this goes back to even before cell phones or even cable TV. You had telephone companies, and telephone companies just became larger and larger and larger because that's the way it was. And even to this day, while there are monopoly laws in place and things like that. There are still certain areas where you can only get a specific cable provider. 
you don't have a choice of a, a number of cable providers. If you want good cable options and you want good internet, you're going to go with a specific cable provider that offers that. Um, so the thing is, the point of me saying all of this is subscriber-based systems have been around for a very long period of time. And companies rely on get, having a steady income that is consistent and the only way to have a steady income is to have something that you know for a fact there's a large amount of people that are going to be paying you every single month the same amount of money and that's how the a lot of these cell phone companies and 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 cable providers and things like that these companies that's how they make so much money and they can they can do what they want to do with the money that they have and and grow as large as they are because they have a steady source of revenue every single month so when you look at go ahead go ahead oh i was gonna say to to those who don't really right so we talked about subscriber bases and and why how how does that translate so we're we're talking about netflix and tech companies how does that translate to the normal day of life i kind of view it as insurance right health insurance yep um you got you know your deductible and then you also got your premiums premiums happen you know, every month, no matter what you want to do, you still have to pay it. Where your deductible is, you basically pay it upfront, upfront costs. So insurance, you can choose your insurance plan to based on, all right, do I want to pay more upfront with a lower premium or do I want to have a lower deductible with a higher premium? And so that's kind of a way to talk about with like an insurance type term, uh, type t- uh, terminology. But even, all right, let's go back into tech, but let's go back a couple of years. When Microsoft was the biggest thing ever, they sold all of like Microsoft Office in terms of licenses. So you paid, you know, my dad was into, he, he worked as a technology provider for a, a big company. So he bought, you know, Microsoft Office, um, Office licenses that cost, you know, 300 bucks a pop up front, but he never paid that license again. So Microsoft was just only getting lump sum costs. And you know, it's great and it's good, but you have to sustain new, you have to keep coming out with new products. You have to keep putting out more sales. You have to keep doing more. With the subscribers, it's, I mean, like once you get somebody hooked, it, it's easy money. You know, for Netflix, it's, it's like you're not having a new person out there trying to sell you something new every single time. Like Apple for iPhones, every summer they have to come out with a new iPhone to convince you to go buy a new one. Or Netflix, I mean, it just all it just does is it keeps going. You pay the same dollar, same same amount. Let's just—I uh, know you're going to talk about prices in a little bit, but let's just assume very basic. You pay ten dollars a month. All right, that's simple, you know. And another thing that these subscriber-based companies have figured out is, you know, when you do a subscription, right, a ten, fifteen dollar subscription doesn't seem that much in your monthly budget, so you're not going to cut it, you know, like. I don't want to spend 300 bucks, you know, doing something crazy, but you know, $10 a month on, you know, streaming. All right, that's good. And there's a lot that people also forget to cancel. Um, cause you might end up having like four or five streaming services between video and then music that uh, you're spending, you know, as much as you would have done for cable and then for a bunch of iTunes music or DVDs. So it's an interesting business model because it takes, it, it's so simple in it. It's surprising that nobody really has done it in terms of tech. And it's just, it's simple. You make a lot of money. I just, it's just interesting when you study Netflix and how they were one of the first companies in this new web 2.0 world of forcing subscriptions. And now everybody's doing subscriptions. I mean, it's just, you know, 
we're talking about the streaming wars, everyone wants subscriptions because it's simple, easy money. Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, ultimately it comes down to what can you ha- what what can you offer to a to a subscriber or to a consumer that they that you you will convince them to pay you a specific specific no- amount every single month as a luxury. And that's what all these services are. All of the services that we're going to talk about here on on the show are all luxuries. What can these services convince you to do to make sure or what can they offer to you and to ensure that you pay them every single month now obviously there's plenty of people who you know they'll pay for a month for a service or they'll use the free month and they'll binge a bunch of shows that they want to see or something like that but that's not the majority of the people because there's a lot of subscribers as i said there's like 150 million subscribers worldwide and netflix has a lot of money and they spend an insane amount of money on their content. But all of this goes back to the, the the strengths. The strengths of the company at this time, at this point in time, is that they have such a lead on all of the other companies that are coming. While a lot of the other companies that are coming are part of larger media companies like Disney and Warner Brothers and NBC Universal, there's these 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 companies that are coming, they still Netflix had a really, really head, a really long head start, and while the other companies will be able to offer a lot of really unique things, Netflix will be probably still at the top as far as subscriber rates for a little while at least, because it's going to take some time for these other services to convince people that hey, you should come over here and you should pay for this one instead of that one, or hey, you should come and pay for this one in addition to that one that you already like. Uh, Netflix is established, and that's that's a big thing when it comes to consumers spending their money. Who 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 is established? Who's been around? You know, if you had to go, if you go to the store and you're looking for something specific, and some specific brand of something, and you can't find it. Are you going to buy the generic one? Are you going to buy a different brand if they don't have the exact one that you have? Some people will. Some people have no problem with that. Some people go for the least, the 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 less expensive option. But some people want the premium option that they they are fully aware that they know tastes good. If you go to a restaurant, do you go to the same restaurant all the time? Do you get the same meals um, because you know that you like that restaurant? Do you know that they, you know, they prepare their stuff very well? Or do you go and try different things? Or do you go someplace that's le- a little less expensive? It's all about the idea of what what be- best suits you. But Netflix has proven for a long period of time that they have this idea of what they can, what kind of content will draw people in. They've had a lot of shows that they've produced over the years, and all out of all the shows that they have produced. There's a lot of shows that obviously were around and have ended and are no longer around, but they keep coming up with other info, other shows to watch. The other thing to keep in mind that is something that uh, should be brought up be- uh, because of the time situation that they have had so much time is they have ha- they've had so many subscribers watching shows on their their service that they have a very very good basically built-in market research of what shows are successful on their service and what shows they should reach out to try to you know get creators to make and that is that 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 helps a lot i mean obviously for a service like disney plus they're going to be having service shows based off of properties that are already 
you know, already successful in, in movies and other mediums and things like that with Star Wars and Marvel and Pixar. But there's, at the same time, there's a lot of unknowns, you know, outside of a few shows, what else will they offer? Netflix, if you're already a Netflix subscriber, you know what they have to offer. You're either content with what they have or you are, you know, looking for something else anyway. So then the other part of this is, so obviously we talked about the strengths. Now the question is, what what, what kind of situations should we be worried about when it comes to Netflix? Because the thing is, with Netflix, even though it's been around as long as it has, as long, even though it has as many subscribers, the the there's a couple of slight small things you have to keep in mind when you're looking at the overall strength of the business um, and what you know the the longevity of it and the one thing this is the point in time where I'm going to bring up the pricing um, so like over the years the pricing for Netflix has changed drastically um, where at this point if you're paying if you're wanting to use more than one screen you're looking for the highest quality uh, picture and you're looking for the uh, the ability to you're looking for the ability, like I said, to watch on multiple screens, then you're going to be paying $16 a month. Netflix currently offers three different tiers. A basic, which is basically you're going to see everything in a standard definition. Um, you're only going to be able to watch one screen at a time. And that basic is priced at $8.99 per month. Now, that is up from years and years ago. Um, $7.99 is, is what it's been in the past. Um, but some of the services and tiers have subscribed over time as well. So back in 2017, the basic service was just $7.99, so a dollar less. But when you get up to the premium services, these are the ones that have jumped up. So standard, the standard tier, you do get HD uh, quality shows when available, but you also get to watch on two different screens at once. That's priced currently at $12.99. That jumped up $2 from back in 2017, uh, which used to be $10.99. And then you go to the premium option, which is you can watch up to four screens at once. You have Ultra HD, which is the equivalent of or very close to 4K. Um, they won't say it's 4K because there's issues with streaming or internet providers actually streaming 4K. But uh, that that one is $15.99, and that previously in 2017 was $13.99. So that those those top two tiers jumped up two dollars in just the past two years and the thing is the the pricing is a concern of course when you look at some of the services that are coming obviously we don't know the pricing structure for all of the services that are coming we do know apple tv plus and disney plus and disney has very very highly that you can tell that disney is marketing theirs towards people who are interested in netflix and have netflix Outside of the fact that Disney is going to be cheaper, Disney's offering more screens that you can watch at the same time, and everything will be available in Ultra HD. So they're already going for basically the throat of Netflix by saying, well, we're going to offer everything that you offer on the premium plus more, and we're going to be less than half the price. So that's interesting. And that's a downfall when it comes to Netflix. Will we see anything in the future of Netflix changing their prices? Yes, but not for, I think this is an unpopular opinion. I think yes. Apple TV is, 
stupidly low in terms of pricing. I think Disney is lower, but like acceptable. Like it makes sense, but it's still lowballing the market. Netflix's prices are were the norm. Now they're you know a little bit higher. It, you know it's going to make you think about going maybe to Disney Plus or Apple TV or somebody else's cheaper. But if Netflix is is Netflix is spending a whole lot of money, it's over five on, billion dollars a year. Yeah, on a on original content. And, you know, if you do, you know, uh, if you look at the reports and earnings, you know, they're not, um, it's debt. Um, it's, it's not like they're making that much money to pay for it beforehand. Um, so they're taking out loans and stuff like that. So for this whole transition from, you know, having people watch The Office, binging on that, binging on um, Friends, binging on, you know, all these different shows to original content, they're spending crap ton of money. Um, on this, and when I look at the budgets, when I see things, it, it doesn't make sense how Netflix is going to have a viable business, a viable business in the future, if they keep having, if they keep spending records amount of money on original content. Like something's got to give. I think that's that's kind of why the price increased last time was because they were d- pushing even more original content. Right? It's okay. Like Netflix has won a lot of Emmys just because they have a lot of low-budget movies that have good acting. You know, it's, it's interesting how the lower budget of the movie usually the better the acting and the writing. It's kind of a weird coincidence. You know, it's almost as if they are like taking risks, and the risks risks just happen to pay off, but the monetary risk isn't as high. Well, it's it's a lower risk for for you know a lot of these a lot of their content. It's a low risk. You know. Pumping out low content, uh, low risk, low risk content that is good, and according to the algorithms, it's what people like. What concerns me is their push to be have some content like maybe an HBO or an Amazon Prime in terms of high budget movies and high budget TV shows. I think the best example, I think two really good examples are Bright with Will Smith, and the other one was whichever one was with Ben Affleck. I didn't watch it. Triple Frontier. Um, Triple Frontier. I knew it's something with the Frontier in it. Yeah, yeah they, Triple Frontier. They did, made a big uh, deal yeah. about how many people watched that. They uh, bragged at the time that there was 55 million different people or households that had watched that movie since from the day that it launched for the first month. Which, when you if you translated that into a box office price, it would have been an insane amount of money. But obviously, you're going to watch it because you're already subscribed. It's not actually taking the risk of going to the movie theater. But that is an insane amount of households because you have to average like two and a half people per household and you times you do the, the rates of that. You're talking like 125 million people watched that movie. That is an, that's an insane number because then if you put that into like a $10 ticket, we're talking almost a billion dollars. If it was actually in the box off or if it was in theaters. Yeah. But I mean, like these movies were, you know, over a hundred million dollars budget, you know, Netflix, I mean, most of their content isn't over a hundred million dollars exactly. in terms of their shows, even, even like Netflix or house of cards, like those were high quality, you know, TV shows, great content, great cinematography, great acting. And there's no way that was over a hundred million dollars. You know, but yeah, if you're gonna have, if you're gonna try to compete with the big dogs and have over a hundred million dollar, hundred fifty million, I think Bright was like two hundred million. It was ridiculous. Um, type of budget. There's no way that's sustainable for the future, and that's what concerns me about Netflix is they the strive for greatness and the strive to be the best. At what cost is it? You know, they can't 
you can only do so many things at one time, right? They're trying to Netflix is basically is 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 grown as much as it can in the U.S. It's reaching that point in Europe where it doesn't have a good stronghold is in China, but even less so in India. And if it can get itself into those two markets, then that's when you can see even more growth in terms of Netflix's you know stock price, share price, and everything like that. So like right now, yeah, Netflix is doing great, but there's no room to go forward in America. But they're trying to get into you know Asia, so you're having a lot more um, movies that are set in China that have you know Chinese actors. Um, shows that um, you know the South Korean movie market, South Korean actors and directors. Um, India, there's a lot more. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm from the U.S., so it's not like I would really know about you know Bollywood that much. I know enough to barely have a conversation about it. But yeah, but Netflix has been hiring you know Bollywood directors and actors and making Bollywood content um, for India, and, and that's like, like a booming area. So, you know, it's Netflix is trying to do so many different things of trying to reach out in new markets. You need to create new content, even if it's low budget, new content for, you know, to just kickstart, you know, their service in India, kickstart their service in Asia, in Africa, and, you know, even more so in South America. So Netflix is spending all that money that way, hopefully in the future, gaining that back. But then also here is you're losing you know, bingeable, classic bingeable content. So they have to spend even more. And to basically answer your question, Dustin, I think they will. I think they will have to increase their prices either here or internationally. Um, there's just, if you look at the math, there's just no way to do it besides them going crazy in debt. And then it's not going to be a good business because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it ultimately just comes down to can't, they, 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 they cannot keep spending as much money as they are. While you think about it, 150 million people, you have to look at this from a different perspective. 150 million subscribers paying on average $10 a month. That's $1.5 billion that they're bringing in every single month. So if they spend $5 billion on original programming per year, that's only about half of Every well, it's less than half of everything that they're bringing in. Now, obviously, there's infrastructure costs and things like that um, that are not part of that original programming cost. Um, on top of the fact fact that there's other stuff that they're probably developing, and the and keep in mind, five billion dollars is just for the original programming. That's not for the licensing stuff. Like the whole reason Office and Friends were on Netflix in the first place was because they were paying the companies that owned them. Uh, you know, licensing fees. And as we know, those things can be crazy expensive. There was a big deal last year that uh, Friends was going to be leaving at the end of 2018. And then Netflix basically bit the bullet and said, no, nope, it's not. And they went to Warner Brothers and convinced Warner Brothers to let them keep Friends for an additional year for $100 million. And when you think about that, I'm sure the office is up there in cost, and obviously those are going. But now we just heard Seinfeld is coming to the off, or it's coming to Netflix. Um, so I'm sure that they paid a ton of money for Seinfeld. 
And when you when you start thinking about it and you look at all the other shows they have, they have a massive deal with CW where a lot of the shows from the CW are popping on Netflix um, very, very soon after uh, the, the season's wrap. There's other shows that are popping up from AMC. Um, there's a lot of things that Netflix is paying for outside of the original pro- uh, programming. So while they're spending $5 million on original programming, they could be spending maybe another $5 billion on you know, just the, the back catalog of stuff that's the older shows, the current shows that are airing on broadcast that they're looking for, uh, you know, a place to air elsewhere because they're not part of a service, or, you know, that's already existing out there. So they spend a massive amount of money. But the reality is, even though they're valued at $25 billion, that doesn't actually mean they're ultimately worth that much because we all know how the stock market works. Just because something's valued at it doesn't mean it's actually worth that. That's just what the value is based off the stock price. But as we've seen with Netflix over the past couple of years, that is uh, a very fluctuating system. Uh, and I guess this will be the time we'll talk about stock price. So um, basically going back to where they were years and years ago, back when they launched uh, streaming, their their stock was only about $3.00. A share. Now you jump forward to let's say 2011. Uh, this is about four years after they started. Their stock price had gone up to $38 per share. But then they had they they clearly spent they started spending money because as we know, House of Cards was their first original show, and that show um, premiered in 2013. So you can tell that uh, they started ramping up for streaming, and their stock price kind of went really, really far down to somewhere in 2012. It was down to like $7 at different points. But then as they started uh, releasing more shows, 2013, House of Cards, 2014 was the first Marvel show and some other original shows that they had. Uh, The stock price had gone all the way up to $62. So nine times the price of it was just basically two years prior prior to that. Uh, So then it steadily went up. Uh, It's had a couple of downs. At uh, in 2015, it was up to 123 dollars a share. So we're talking within five years, basically, they went up basically 120 times the amount that they were before, um, which or roughly about 100 times more than they were before. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, that that math is way off. I don't know why I said that, but. Uh, the but anyway they went down a little bit at uh, in, at the beginning of 2016 but then they steadily kept rising and then in 2018 they were they, they hit their peak of 411.09 and this was um, at the uh, this was basically in the middle of 2018 last year but then it's all started to go downhill from there um, as more services has started to be, get announced. The stock went from 411 down to 268, and then over the past 12 months, it's steadily rose, steadily rose, steadily rose, up to its t- uh, high of 380 in July. But that was right before the Q2 uh, results came out, and when those came out, the stock price dipped again. And uh, now Q3 has come out, and the stock price is dipping yet again. So. The reality of it is, it just comes down to the the last year they have had a situation. So there's an article that uh, we were reading from CNBC. Basically, the headline is, Netflix goes negative for the year, giving up a 46% gain. So since the beginning of 2019, Netflix actually gained 46% of their stock price for 
prior, you know, to, to before. And now after Q3 results, their stock has actually gone back down where they're now going down um, lower than they were prior to the beginning of 2019. So, uh, and clearly this has a lot to do with a lot of the streaming services that are coming. And it has a lot to do with a lot of news coming out regarding a lot of the shows that are coming away, you know, that are being taken away from the actual series itself. So it's an interesting situation where they're in a position where while they have a ton of money coming in, they're also spending a ton of money. Um, and the reality is they're going to have to keep spending money in order to keep the subscribers because the new, the new services that are going to be coming out are going to be, you know, flashing lights and saying, Hey, look what we've got. And in some cases are going to have lower prices and they're going to, they're going to take some of those subscribers away from Netflix in general. And as this, if the subscriber rate actually goes down the, because right now the stock price is being, you know, is going down specifically because the growth isn't happening as much as they projected. And that's the biggest reason as to why the stock is going down. This is a very bleak overview of Netflix's financials. I kind of view it like social security, you know, it's, it's, it's paying out more than it's bringing in, and you know, we're all expecting those checks to keep coming. But you know, one day it's it's just it's going to run out of money, and that's doomsday, and we put it off. <laughs> so I, I feel like you know, a couple years ago, if I had Netflix stock, man, I'd be rich right now. But then now I, I'm just hesitant, just knowing that there's more players into the market, growth is unsustainable. It just there's no way that it can keep going the way it is. And yeah, that's why people float different hypotheticals of what if Disney buys Netflix? Well, that's going to be interesting. What if Apple buys Netflix? Apple could buy anyone because they have a crap ton of money. Um, so you, you bring about all those different scenarios. And we are going to touch about this later for different streaming services and then probably an argument based on this, the, the state of how everything is. But Netflix is a company into itself. It's a tech company. That streams um, streams video, then also like sell, uh, rents DVDs out. And I know that's redundant, but I'm I'm bringing it up in comparison to okay, you know, Apple Apple's streaming service is based on it's got the backing of Apple, the, the company, and for the longest time they've had the biggest cash reserve out of any company in the world. Um, you have Amazon um, Prime Video, which has the backing of Amazon. Which you know, there's basically like four different smaller companies in Am- that make up Amazon. It's a very diversified business, so that they can take risks in video, and they're fine financially. Um, Disney, you know, yeah, we kind of think it's all about you know movies because Marvel's made billions of dollars recently, Pixar movies, you know, Star Wars, but they've also a very diversified business as well, so they can take on more of that risk. What I'm trying to say is that oh, and then you got. Um, you know, Warner Brothers, which is owned by AT&T, which is an ISP. You have NBC, which is owned by Comcast, which is another um, ISP, internet service provider, if you don't know what ISP means. So big companies that are backing these media companies and these streaming services. And so they don't, they could take more risk. They're, they're more financially, you know, safe. Netflix, not so much, you know, it's just Netflix. They have no, they have no backing. They have no one else to run to. And that's why I'm worried about the business model. You know, like if it was, you know, Warner Brothers, you know, spending a whole bunch of money on content, I'd be fine because like, you know, they're going to eat the lost, you know, they're, they're going to make up the cost eventually. Netflix, it's, 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 it's an escalating problem that's just, just 
you know, the more you spend, the bigger the problem is, but you're putting it off to later. So that's kind of how I view Netflix. That's what I'm worried about. Also kind of did a rant on like five different things that we're going to talk about in the future. But yeah. I mean, it comes down to, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to these companies. And once we actually get through just covering the major services as a whole, we'll be discussing, you know, the companies, you know, versing each other, you know, this company versus this company, what's going to happen. And the other, the other obvious situation that we have is we don't have price points for some of the services that are coming out. And we also don't know the complete details for all the companies that are, that are releasing services as far as what are they going to be offering within the price or are they going to have tiers? Uh, Peacock, the NBC Universal's service, it has stated recently in an interview that they're going to have an ad model where you can just watch it and just be able to watch their original content using an ad system, which is different than a lot of these other ones because the other ones aren't using ads in their services at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how everything works out as time progresses, which obviously brings us to why we're covering this stuff long term um so i think that's kind of a real good thing a good place to stop with netflix obviously there's definitely more that we can discuss about netflix in the future there's there's no shortage of things to discuss um but i think for now that should give you a really good overview of where netflix is as a company right now um real quick before we end there is, I was just running through, if you're really interested in seeing how much original content they've actually produced, there's probably way more than you actually think there is. Um, if you type in Netflix oh, yeah. Originals, which the link will be over on the site for you to check out, Netflix Originals, on Wikipedia, there's a huge list of every show that has ever been a Netflix original, including the stuff that they co-produce with other um, with other companies like BBC and uh, some of the other projects that they have on top of the stuff that they co-finance when it comes to the, to movies and things like that. So uh, definitely something to take a look at because there's a lot of stuff that I don't think a lot of people even understand or comprehend that some of these shows that you've been watching are Netflix originals. You just didn't know they were. Um, so we'll have the link over on the site for that. It's also really interesting because as you're scrolling through the list, it, the the list is on Wikipedia's setup where the show it shows when the show is premiered and it's separated by genres. And when you look, there's not a lot of shows that last for very long. Uh, I'm looking through and you're seeing the, the, I'm seeing a lot of shows that like don't make it past for three or four seasons there's a lot of shows that don't make it past one season but the shows that even are successful don't really make it past four or five episodes or four or five seasons so that's an interesting thing to keep in mind too um but definitely check out the list because it's really interesting to see all of the stuff that they are actually producing and how many shows that they have produced that they have canceled or not renewed so Definitely check out that list. But the one thing I kind of want to leave each one of these services on is whether or not they're already existing or whether or not they're coming in the future. I want to talk about either to, to kind of end the episode. I want to talk about either something you've seen on the service that you really, really, really enjoyed that you like to suggest to somebody or something that you are looking forward to in the immediate future that you know is coming. This would obviously apply a lot more for the services that have yet to launch. But out of those two, what would be something from Netflix that you think that if anybody was going to start with Netflix, what series would you suggest they check out? Oh, so much. 
No, uh, yeah, disclaimer, I'm probably going to drop Netflix in the future. Um, it just, the original content that I see coming, it just doesn't interest me. I'm going to spend my money elsewhere. So, obviously, I'm going to look backwards. Um, House of Cards, seasons one and two, really season one is some great television. Just great writing, just, it, it just, I... There's so many times watching season one where my mouth was just, just dropped because I'm like, how in the world is this possible? How this guy basically just said F you to everybody and was, you know, going to conquer the presidency. Like, that's just crazy. What a crazy premise. But man, just such good TV. Yeah. You know, Kevin Spacey. That's just ridiculous. But besides that, I love superheroes. I help contribute with Dustin on the BatmanUniverse.net. So I love me some superheroes. Daredevil seasons one and three, just amazing television, amazing cinematography, amazing fight choreography, very real for a television show. It has movie level choreography and, and it's not cheesy either. It's realistic. It's gritty. It's like, you know, people are actually going to fight. Yeah, it's got martial arts, but it's like real. It's not, you know, your 80s kung fu movie, which it can be a little bit silly at times. Just it's just great. Um, and there's there's always in one episode per season. There's three seasons, but ever always once a once a season they have like this um, like hallway ish one shot fight choreography scene. A one one take scene, and it's just some good television. So I can go on and on, but yeah, seasons one and three, amazing television. So I uh, I agree with House of Cards. Uh, House of Cards, the, at least the first two seasons were really really good. Um, I think the the last two seasons were very very weak because I th- I think it just lasted longer than it needed to. Um, it's one of those situations where you just they didn't know when to when to stop. Unfortunately, um, but some other shows out there like I'm I, I'm I'm real into thrillers and crime dramas and things like that. Uh, the original Narcos. I haven't watched Narcos Mexico. I've heard great things, but I, it's on my list to watch. I just haven't watched it yet. But the original Narcos, I really enjoyed that. I love me some Stranger Things. Um, it's not exactly the best TV in the world, but it's great nostalgic, and it's it's. I find it really interesting. But one of the shows that I really really enjoyed are uh, the crime dramas again are Mind Hunter and Ozark. Ozark probably is one of my favorite shows. Um, that I've seen in a long time um, because it's what's Ozark about? So o- the the premise with Ozark is that it's a sh- it's basically there's a financial person who's you know a partner in a financial firm. They have a lot of money coming in and they're he's managing money. And the first episode, he basically finds out that a lot of the money that they're working with is cartel money, and they have been laundering money for the cartel for a long time. And the cartel comes to them because the other partner in the business has been actually stealing from the cartel. He's been keeping more money than he's supposed to. So they kill the partner and they basically tell the other partner, you're the money man. You're the man with the plan. You go launder our money. So he basically has to pack up his family from Chicago and move. Um, they, They move and they move to the Ozarks in Missouri to basically figure out a new way of laundering money and the premise of the show is basically like he's you know 
going working with the cartel, but he's on this edge and the fence of whether or not he doesn't want to do this. He never knew he was working with the cartel in the first place, but now he's in a situation where he has no choice. So he's trying to protect his family. At the same time, he's working for the cartel. And then there's some stuff that he gets into while he's in the Ozarks with the locals. And it's a really interesting thing about what money can do to people, but how it's not just money that has a hold on people. There's other things that have a hold on people like family, like um, drugs and addictions and other things like that. It's a really good series that I would, I would strongly suggest to anybody out there who's interested in crime dramas. And uh, it, 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 it paints Jason Bateman, who's the main character of the show, in a very different picture than you'd probably be used to because he's he's commonly associated with a lot of comedies. Um, but he's he's really good in it, and uh, Laura Linney's in it as well. So definitely check that out. Mindhunter is another crime drama, and it basically is the story of the original profilers within the FBI figuring out how to come up with a system to profile murderers You know that we hear about so much. If you remember in the late 90s and early 2000s, there was different shows on TV, uh, Criminal Minds, The Profiler. These were all shows that had to do with people, the FBI working with, you know, local law enforcement and things like that to try to figure out who the, the criminal would be to get a good idea of who they could be based off of their personality and things like that. And the show Mindhunter is basically set in the late 70s and then early 80s uh, with the second season where basically they're coming up with the system of how to profile these people by going through and interviewing serial killers that they have in custody so it's it's a really interesting show there's not a lot of action so if you're looking for action there's it's not an action type show there is action that happens but it's it's very much kind of like you're you know down to earth uh you know nitty-gritty as far as you know the the details stuff but not a lot of action ozark has its fair share of action so i'd, I'd strongly suggest those two shows the 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 one defining i guess when we're going through the series of what defines these streaming companies i think the one unique thing that defines netflix is that all this all the episodes of a television series drop at the same time so like for daredevil season um season one all 13 episodes were released at the same time in comparison to all the different platforms that we know about netflix is the only one that gives you all the content at once and that's it's interesting i mean in the future we could discuss the merits of that but if you want to uniquely amazon, identify amazon does that between too. all they, they do i thought it was uh i thought it came out weekly no amazon i don't use i don't, yeah. I don't do amazon so yeah amazon releases their stuff the same in the same model sense that netflix does as well they just so they have this weird thing where sometimes they break up the seasons where they'll release like part one of a season and then they'll release part two like six months later. But then they, they have a bunch of their own issues, which we'll talk about the next episode um, because Amazon is the, the company we're going to be focusing on the next time. Um, but yes, Netflix is the originator of binge TV, binging shows. I mean, while Hulu obviously exists and you could binge watch shows, it's not to the same level because you'd still have to wait for the shows to all release before you could actually watch them. While Netflix does drop all the episodes at once. And like you said, a lot of the other services yeah. that are coming, they're all stating that that's not their plan. They're not planning on going with that model, which to be fair is a smart business model to go with by releasing your stuff every week instead of 
dropping it all at once because it keeps the people who are watching the stuff. And while I personally like the idea of being able to watch everything at once, I can completely understand from a business model, it makes way more sense to not release everything at once and let somebody come in, get a free trial, watch all of the episodes that they want to watch and then leave before the free trial is up. There's no, there's no money incentive in it. And I, I, and that's, that's the kind of stuff and risks you see with, startup companies and obviously netflix is not a startup anymore they've been around for a long time but i honestly feel like that could change in the future too yeah it's also probably healthier for the human body i mean i remember a lot of times in grad school uh when different shows i i wanted to watch came out i i might have stayed up the whole entire night watching a 13 episode season of a tv show which um which which isn't the most healthy thing. Yep. But yeah, I, I just I, that's just the one thing that, that Netflix is just unique for me is you get all the episodes of a TV series at the same time. So yep. it's very interesting. All right, so with that, we're going to uh, wrap up this episode. As I mentioned, uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about Amazon Prime Video, uh, specifically everything that entails like what we talked about here, but with Amazon Prime. So that's what you can look forward to in the next episode. As always, you can head over to the site, uh, thestreamingwars.io, for all the articles that we referenced here on this episode. Those will be in the show notes on the episode post over on the site. In addition to that, you'll find our social media links to Twitter and Instagram over on there as well. Well, um, in addition to that, uh, we have a Patreon. Um, if you are so, if you are interested in the content that we are producing, we are always happy to continue to provide more content. But if you can spare a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars, we do have special rewards specifically for you um, for as a thank you for supporting us. So I greatly appreciate if you could take a look at that. Um, in addition to that, we have launched uh, our, our a Discord server. Uh, the link is over on the site as well. And if you are a Patreon supporter, you do get uh, recognized over on the server. But we're going to be, the Tony and I will be active on the server and we'll be discussing things and bringing up news articles as we see them and things like that. So it'll be more of like a day-to-day, you know, here's what's happening today since the episodes aren't obviously releasing daily or in some cases weekly. So uh, definitely check out the Discord server in addition to the website and our social media accounts. So with that being said, for Tony and I, uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to The Streaming Wars. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Also consider supporting us on Patreon. Links can be found at thestreamingwars.io.